I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Shaver, joined by Brian Christofferson here on a Tuesday morning. Brian, how's it going? Oh, I can't complain. I was just looking at this. I, I need to but is this not cool anymore to have like a cord hanging down? Am I like not modern enough? Am I I you don't want to be connected with me? Oh man, that's disgusting. Get that off the screen. Yeah, it actually connects to the the microphone that I uh, oh, don't okay. really talk into, but I talk loud enough that it. Yeah, look at that thing. You got a you got a fancy dancy microphone there. Look, I got nothing. Anyway. I mean, I can I can send you the link to the microphone if you would like your own microphone, but uh, you know that's <laughs> that's something that we could do if if you want, but it wouldn't remove the cord. That's the thing. The cord's still going to be there. All I got is this coffee mug with the smiling face. <laughs> there it is. I, I feel like at some point listeners are going to start sending in coffee mugs for you and Bruns to hold up during the broadcast. I would be it's all just, for it. It's just going to become a thing. Like it's, I, I'm kind of looking forward to that now. So we'll see where that goes. All right. Nebraska returns to action after a bye week that didn't. Brian, what did you do with your Saturday? How did you utilize your, your no Nebraska football game Saturday in the fall? Uh, I watched quite a few games actually, uh, really? which isn't, isn't always the case for me. Um, sure. some, sometimes I just step away from it completely, but I did watch Baylor, Iowa state, uh, the Husker coaching candidate bowl. Um, let's see who else, who else did I watch? I'm sure you watched Oklahoma, Kansas state at some point. Oh yeah, I did. I watched the end of it and, uh, I didn't feel like, uh, all mushy about Adrian having a moment or that, but I, I was like, good for him. You know, I just sort of, that was just my thought and I kind of yeah. left it at that. It wasn't like anything beyond that. Um, okay. Go Are ahead. You, I, I guess, I don't know if every fan base does this, but the weird sort of having to track everything that happens after a notable person leaves or is fired here. I just like, I, I'm happy for Adrian. It doesn't change the fact that he absolutely made the right decision and it was the right decision for Nebraska for them to part ways. So I guess there's like another part of me that's like, we don't need breathtaking Adrian Martinez updates all the time. Like, oh, they lost to Tulane. He's the guy that we thought he was. Oh, they beat Oklahoma. <laughs> Nebraska, let him go. I mean, it, well, yeah, I, I mean, it's always been that way. I mean, you I, got- I know, but I don't like, 
I apologize, but I have never gave a crap about Frank Solich and what he was doing at Ohio. Like, I just don't care. Take it back. Take it I, back. Immediately. I'm not going to take it back. I don't <laughs> care. Congrats to Frank. Great run at Ohio. That was where you should have been coaching. That's a great fit for you. That says everything right there. I don't care which offensive line coach Bill Callahan, like what team Bill Callahan's working for. I don't care if Mike Riley's the coach of the San Antonio Commanders or the Memphis Express or the Lincoln Haymakers. No, I I don't know. I just (laughs) make up team names. Like, because that's, those are the sort of teams he's affiliated with now. The St. Louis Battle Axes. Like, I just, I I don't know. Like, why can't it just be when these guys leave Lincoln that we don't have to care? But I feel like I'm forced into having opinions or caring about them. And I don't want to. I want my default state to be it doesn't matter. You know what? If Nebraska football were just like okay, that would that would alleviate that would we wouldn't have some of this. You know, do you think it, is that really true though? Because I I think if Nebraska were like winning nine ten games right now, we'd be enough in in that to uh, to distract people from oh. Uh, not completely though. I mean, there was the like Drew Ott syndrome. Remember the Drew Ott syndrome? Oh my God, like every yes. every time that guy made a TFL, um, or uh, or Budzita or whoever. Yeah, I mean, and then by the time Noah Fant rolled around, it was just you know we were steeped in it. But there, yeah, there, and that, and obviously Wandale, you know, sure. um, we we always all those guys come up. We I don't want to mention the ones who went elsewhere, and there's plenty of them that didn't do much of anything and you don't we don't like bring that up every week but oh so and so didn't do anything again this week but um yeah i don't know it that part i don't think will ever completely go away but i do think nebraska could uh help all of us uh not hear that stuff if they started they won football like, games winning football and then and then during the bye week People aren't watching like, oh, Adrian did this to further ding Husker hearts or Northwestern lost again to somebody from a group of five or FCS. It's just, you know, some of that doesn't matter either. Like we know Nebraska is in a bad place right now. Like I don't need further confirmation of it. That's sort of where I am. But Brian, Georgia Southern (laughs) lost to UAB. It's like I already knew that was a really bad loss the moment it happened. And it doesn't surprise me Georgia Southern lost the next week either. Oh, um, no. Did although, you know there's a Nebraska curse? It's called the Scott Frost curse. The week Basically, after. Basically, the week after. Have you have you followed this? I, I'm aware that the week after teams, after they beat Nebraska, they go and lose it. It doesn't matter if they play, um, you know, class Whomever, C2 no. school. They, they could lose. Okay. I, I just wanted to make sure you were aware of such a thing. Yeah. Because I'm sure we're going to have Scott Frost updates until about 2045. We should get him on the show. (laughs) Now that would be a pod to go. That would go through the roof. Uh, I don't 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 think it's happening. For some reason, I don't think we'd be the first choice of podcast that he'd appear on. Probably not. That's all right. Maybe maybe we'd be on like a little bit down the list, but uh, I, I don't think we'd be the first choice, so. Well, we'll we'll look for other things. <laughs> I, I'm sure we'll find them. Maybe well, Eric Shenander would maybe join us. Legitimately, would maybe join us. So mm-hmm. I'll, uh, you know, I'm probably not going to reach out on that one. You know, I, I don't know if it'll be a hype cast guest. 
Well, that that can lead us into what we we're going to talk about because uh, we're we're going to talk about Bill Bush, right? When we like, were going to talk about Bill Bush, should we get to it? I mean that 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 to me, you always ask the questions and don't get an answer. Well, no, <laughs> I, I don't mean, have good things to say. Well, you might. We don't know yet. Um, <laughs> I think we have enough experience to know otherwise. Okay, what can Bill Bush legitimately do? to fix this i mean that's like and that's like feels like a very difficult thing to answer <laughs> but maybe yeah. even harder to actually accomplish seems like one of the tougher coaching assignments i've seen a guy get not that he's running from it or doesn't right. want it but it man that's i just can't get my mind around how they're actually going to fix it right now yeah so this this past weekend i happened to be in a position around some former former players of different eras. And I, I basically was just asking that question to them. It's like, you guys played organized football at a high level. You guys know what it's like to go through with, with coaches and to go through certain systems. Like how quickly can players pick up if there are actual adjustments? And in all honesty, what actual adjustments could be made? And one of the, one of the players basically said at, at some level, there's only so much you can do. And so you have to just kind of start trying to pick your battles a little bit. Like you have to, you know, you're not magically just going to have better personnel because there's a different defensive coordinator and you're not going to switch the scheme or switch things too radically midstream. So you, you just start to, to figure out if there's little different things that you can kind of do little wrinkles, you know, if you want to try to stack the box specifically against a run to force more teams to pass against you, if you want to have like, um, you know, if you want to try to change up to try to play a little bit more man coverage instead of dropping back into zone as much as they have, um, things like that. He basically said that you're not going to be able to course correct all of it, but maybe you can find a small fix or two that you can live with. And if you get enough of those fixes, maybe you can put together a defense that isn't as big of a black hole as it sort of feels like it is right now. But in, in all honesty, it's it's a really big challenge because as we've sort of talked about in this conference, you have to be able to stop the run first and foremost. And I don't have any real belief that there's a lot Nebraska can do. I mean, they can load up the box. That's about that's about what they can do. And if they start to tackle a little better, that would go a long way. So I guess if they sort of improve on some of the fundamentals, that can help, but I, I just don't know that magically you're going to turn into a run stuffing defense, even if you put more of an emphasis on it. And even if you commit more guys into the box, which leaves you vulnerable in other ways. So, um, you know, a, a long answer to sort of say, it'll be interesting if what they try week to week, because I, I just don't know that they're going to be able to hang their hat on anything quite yet. I mean, if you can get to the point where you're comfortable with your pass defense, then I guess you can really sort of go all after it with your run defense. But they've just got to find the little fixes that they can early on or or kind of correct some fundamental things as best they can to see if they get a level of play jump just from that alone. Yeah. And uh, there's really no great personnel fixes, I don't think. Like everybody always wants to kind of jump to that and make it a video game. And it's you saw in the depth chart. I mean, it's not like that dramatically different with the defense. I mean, it's the same guys really on the top line. And one thing I will say is I maybe 
to a fault, but I tend to trust coaches, even coaches who are having a bad year um, or having a bad, it's a bad run of things that they see people every day in practice and they know what's at stake. And, you know, they're trying to win these games to keep their jobs. Um, I tend to trust that after all that evaluating and all the film that's watched that usually there's a reason why this guy's on the second or third line. That said, there are a few interesting guys you could, you know, see a little bit more of like I, Omar Brown got moved to nickel and he's backing up um, Gifford now on the depth chart. So it'll be something to watch if maybe he gets some more reps. I'm curious if Gunnarsson and Jamari Butler can see some more time. You know, you, you haven't got an effective pass rush from the other guys at this point. And I'm not saying you, you're replacing Garrett Nelson and Oshawn Mathis. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying I wonder if those guys could complement a little bit more with some reps. Deshaun Singleton's the other guy I wonder about um, at safety. Popped up for about 20 snaps in the last game, something like that. Um, and it's it's gotten to the point where there's been just too many busts and bad angles at that spot where that would be one position where I would think long and hard about maybe at least mixing in a third guy. Yeah, I mean, those I, I kind of wrote about it a little bit um, yesterday, just some backups that I wanted to see more. And on the defensive side, I mean, those two names you mentioned, Omar Brown, who's now listed at the nickel spot, and then certainly uh, Deshaun Singleton at safety. And in no short part, just because these were guys you brought in to have a little bit of experience you were looking to kind of play this year anyways. Omar Brown is is a little bit curious. It's almost like they don't trust him as a corner. Uh, so they've... they've you know, moved him to, to safety and, and that didn't go well in the early run of things. And then he's now at Nichols. So I, I'd love to just kind of see him find a spot and just be able to play a little bit. I mean, that guy has played some really good football in the past at a slightly different level. And so that player is still there somewhere, you'd think. Uh, so maybe, maybe we see a little bit more of him going forward. And then, you know, Travis Fisher was really high on on going out and getting Deshaun Singleton. I mean, they, they sort of made him a priority uh, junior college wise. And so um, we'll, we'll see if, if kind of the struggles of, of Miles Farmer and, and those safeties, as you alluded to with the angles and the coverage, uh, if that results in more Deshaun Singleton looking elsewhere in this defense. I mean, some of it, some of it is I'd, I'd also like to see more from the Jamari Butler's and the blaze Gunnarsons and, and guys of that nature, but it's, it's hard to even sort of get there when the people in front of them are healthy, but haven't really performed at the level you expect. So you're not, you're not necessarily going to start shoving those guys onto the field. Uh, if you're not comfortable with where your defense is at as a whole, I mean, so it's just, yeah, it's a, a really tough spot for Bill Bush and, and this Nebraska, Nebraska coaching staff to sort of find itself. Yeah. And I am not, I've never claimed to be a guy who could get like the grease board out and, you know, tell you this and that. I don't try to be that, that guy at all. Um, the one thing I would say about this is general talk from sort of a, a layman's perspective, <clears throat> you and I, people who just watch football. They know when they're watching a defense that sort of is on the attack and just has an aggression about it. And some of that comes from confidence. You know, you build up when thing, when you have success and you're playing fast then, and you know your job inside and out, and that that's what makes you look fast. Usually it's not actually that a defense physically gets slower, guys are slower. It's just that they know what they're doing, and that's what makes them look fast. But I would say 
through the first four games, generally speaking to a layperson, what what stands out about Nebraska's defense is it's just so soft and like what it like the pitch and catch and like you know it, it feels like um, they're not challenging. It's like not it's not that uh, the old Dukey slap the floor sort of defense like let's go like this could be boomer bust but we're going to challenge you face to face sort of stuff and i i feel like honestly at this point i think that there's got to be a little bit more of that um understanding you might get burned but you're already getting burned it's not like teams are having to uh drive 14 or 15 plays against nebraska to do it with the defensive scheme they've had they're usually doing it in like seven or eight plays, yep. you know? So like these, you, you say death by paper cut, it's more than that. Like these are like 15 to 18 yard gashes because you're playing that soft. And so something there within the scheme has to be reworked by people, obviously much more knowledgeable of the game than I, but there, there's something when you watch them, it's just like, this is not an attacking defense, much like the, Minnesota Vikings defense, but we won't talk about that. Um, they won the game, and we'll leave it there because I don't think our audience cares like we do. Uh, I don't. I don't think they do care. But I will say, not excited anytime they're on defense at this <laughs> point. Um, and they also have pass rushers that you keep hoping to see a little bit more from. Anyways, um, with Nebraska's, like, do you think it's as simple as they could go gain some confidence on Saturday against Indiana? I mean. If, if you've got, you know, you, you make the change to Bill Bush, you go through the bye week, you had your five practices, you're getting prepared for this game against Indiana. And if you're able to get, you know, two, three stops in a row, like, can it just sort of build upon each other a little bit? I mean, uh, part of it is it just feels like they've been on their heels for most of the entire season. Some of that because of their own, you know, doing some of it just who knows why, but I, I'm almost wondering if, if they can find a little confidence over these next couple of weeks, if that can allow them to at least build up their level of play. Again, I don't think they're going to be like a good defense at any point this year, but if they can at least get to a competent level that then they can be complimentary a bit to an offense. And I think has a chance to put up points on pretty much everybody that they're going to play this year. Um, you know, it's, it could allow them to, to have a better route to winning some of these games. Cause that's ultimately what you're trying to do here. I mean, we're not looking for long-term fixes for this defense. We're not looking for long-term answers. You're just looking for week to week. What is it can you do that gives yourself a real chance of winning this game? Yeah. And uh, maybe just a little bit of a confidence boost these next couple of weeks and what's regarded as a lighter portion of the schedule. Uh, maybe that could happen. I mean, you were hoping North Dakota and Georgia Southern would provide that, but that's not really how it went. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> And I don't think either of us are acting like these are gimmies. We're not. Um, but no, th- th- there are no gimmies left. No, no. we're just saying if it's going to happen, it's going to happen now. I mean, it's going to get way harder after the next two weeks. So either you, you can like compete and find ways to win the next two weeks, or it's going to be really difficult to, to carve out a W, you know, after that. Um, I think, The difficult part of this week is Indiana, though they're not a great football team, is a competent offense that plays really fast and snapped the ball 104 times against Cincinnati and put up a lot of yards on them, too. Um, 
And actually, I know the score was sort of out of hand, so Cincy might have let off the gas and maybe lost their mental focus a bit. But Indiana kind of outplayed them in the second half when I was watching. And so it was a weird thing, despite the fact that that was their first loss of the season. It was actually that game, which I was like, oh, okay, this could be a, this could be a problem for Nebraska too, you know, uh, more so than their other games. Um, so I don't like the matchup for Nebraska's defense, really. Um, that said, they just went against Oklahoma, and you had some time to kind of lick your wounds from it. But also Oklahoma, even though they, I know they lost to K State, but they got freaks on offense and some great skill guys, and nothing Indiana shows you is going to be as good or better than that. So at least if you're Nebraska, you're like, we saw something that's a better version of what we're going to see in this game. And now you got to adjust to it. So um, yeah, you're right though. They need like two or three series early in that game, which they actually had a couple against OU weirdly enough um, that uh, sort of boost confidence, maybe get a turnover Maybe Nebraska makes that play that's the pick six or that 10 or 14 point swing play. And I think that's honestly what could decide this game, which team makes that play and which team gives away that play, because I think it's that sort of we're in that sort of margin for error for both sides. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love. You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's jump over to the coaching search now. I mean, this is... uh... Again, sort of uncharted territories. We're in our, what, second week, third week. Who even knows how many weeks at this point. Uh, discussing that you mentioned during the bye week, bye weekend, you were able to watch more games. Uh, have you, Brian, have you dialed in on what you think really matters to you as Nebraska tries to put together uh, its coaching search and, and tries to hire the next head coach in Nebraska? Like what, what two or three things do you think are most important to serve someone well in this role here in Lincoln? Um, somebody that has proven they can be a builder of not just, not just a program, but the, the, like looking at particular stuff inside of that building project, like the trenches and just sort of how they've done over their career at, at over the course of a few years at getting that side to be a quality group. Um, so I think you want to see, I like, 
I actually like the track records of guys who had to take over something that was sort of a dumpster fire. And maybe they had, I mean, that's why Leipold intrigues me um, because, you know, he's not going to be the sexiest hire, but I can see where he's always been a builder throughout his career. And he was the first name that popped into my head when Trav had that press conference comment about we don't necessarily have to win this press conference you know it's about somebody we just feel like is going to grind and and you know do the detail stuff and I think he's that sort of coach um, it sounds like I could put you in on the uh the Dave Clawson bandwagon that I'm just trying to build and maintain over two ne- years he, now he never gets as much you know what you have been a big fan of him um before anybody there's no doubt about that <laughs> And he's not, you could do it's like that garage band that I had a homemade t-shirt of before (laughs) they ever sold their first album, Brian. You're you're like the person who uh, claims they went to the, you know, Nirvana performed at like Duffy's Tavern or something in Lincoln in like 1990 or whatever. And there's a billion people said they went to that concert and like probably 28 people went to it. Um, I listened to it, by the way, you can find that on YouTube and it's, I didn't, not very good. One of the one of the great things about you, Brian, is that your YouTube searches and my YouTube searches could not be more different. You're over here, like any time a super concert, you're watching like the uh, the Live Aid performance, or who knows, you probably put Farm Aid on at some point in time in the past. Uh, I'm sure as the Woodstock '99 stuff hit, you were just going back and watching some of those concerts. I, I'm always impressed by your by what you're watching on YouTube relative to to me. Yeah, there, I do some random stuff. I have looked up, you can find Nirvana's performance in Lincoln when they were a coming of age band <laughs> and uh, didn't have a lot of hits yet. And to, I'm sure the deep Nirvana crowd would be like, that was an awesome concert. Like, oh, is this song you, but it wasn't, it didn't hit my ear very well. But anyway. Um, That's yeah, enough about Nirvana. <laughs> you are big on Dave Clawson. Um who, by the way, took Dabo to the wall again, just couldn't quite. Felt like they off. had their chance to win that game and they let it slip through their fingers. So, you know, you the, the guy. Ball and, and driving it, with less than two minutes, you got to get the field goal range. It feels like the flavor of the week is, is uh, Dave Aranda. And oh, yeah. I would say um, you don't have to convince anybody at our site yeah. that Dave Aranda would be a heck of a hire. The question to us is the money game. And does he want to make that particular move um, right now? And um, what do you think? I mean, that, that's the part that really interests me. It's not if Nebraska's interested in him. You'd be stupid if you weren't interested in him, really. Well, yeah. I think you would be. I yeah. mean, he, like, I, I, like if you, I'm not saying he has to be your top guy. I'm just saying you would be dumb if Dave Aranda weren't like one of your you know, four or five guys. Sorry if he's not one of your four or five no, guys. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, I, I would be more. Th- the thing that I have learned, and, and I sort of feel this every time I've covered a Nebraska coaching search, I feel like I am less closed off on the potential of who Nebraska's coach could be or that I can talk myself into a variety of people. Um, and, and, Dave Aranda is not someone that you need to talk yourself into. The proof is out there. I mean, he's a tremendous defensive coordinator and Baylor's had quite a bit of success in a short amount of time since he's been there. I was more commenting on sort of the idea that 
in recent memory, there would have been athletic directors at Nebraska that simply would have just ignored a Dave Aranda in favor of something else. So I, that was more like my sort of smirking chuckle comment there than uh, than my own personal list, which I, again, I there's Brian, I, I kid you not. There's probably like 15 coaches where if they were to end up at Nebraska, I'm like, all right, I'm curious to see how this goes. I think it could work. I think that they've got a track record. I could sell myself on this, but um, I, I understand more from the fan perspective, like you get really locked in on one or two guys. Everybody else seems pretty uh, uninteresting at that point in time. So I, I, I get it. Um, But I, I think Dave Aranda would be a fascinating hire. I just, from the conversations that I've had, I just, one, I'm, I'm not convinced that he'd come to Nebraska. And then two, in a lot of cases, Nebraska has this pot of gold and that can really help out against the program they're going up against if they're hiring a sitting coach. I don't know that. I don't know that that's the case with Baylor. Like, I don't think you're going to outspend Baylor here. Uh, if they really want to keep Dave Aranda, they can make him a very, very, very wealthy man in, in short order. Yeah, I mean it, that that's sort of what it it might come down to. Um now the other the counter to that which we've talked about off air is um the Big 10 SEC has sort of I think especially in this off season made it such a distinct like line in the sand like this is the big leagues pal over here, you know, with the money and just the stability and all that stuff that I could, I do think because of that, it opened some doors up for Nebraska potentially that might not have been, been there even a couple years ago. You know what I mean? Where we kind of, oh, yeah. I, I always viewed the big 10 as more stable than the big 12, even two years or three years ago. Don't get me wrong. But I think now more so than ever, people see the money and they see the TV deals and all that stuff. And, you know, especially after the USC UCLA news um, of them joining the league, I think there are coaches in that other conferences that they don't consider themselves like in a group of five league by any means, but they do see like if the right job comes along in one of those leagues, I definitely got to at least think about it. Unfortunately, some technical difficulties cut off the point that Brian Christofferson was going to make about Baylor and the transformation that that program has had over the years. I mean, it's gone from a program that you aren't normally expecting to be in contention of anything in college football to now, you know, one of those places that on a college football Saturday, a beautiful new stadium that they built in the early 2010s, and then a program that since Art Bryles has been there has had a lot of success. I mean, certainly more so than Nebraska over the last 10 years. And so it's, it's going to be interesting if Dave Aranda does become the full focus of Trev Alberts, if there is some sort of uh, bidding war there, because again, Baylor has the money. They can certainly make things interesting. Nebraska has money too, but ultimately when a guy's in a place like that and you have the ability to offer him generational wealth and the opportunity to just stay where he's at, continue having the success that he's having and to, to do it without much disruption, you know, that in itself can speak some pretty big volume. So we'll see what happens with Dave Aranda and Nebraska. Certainly, we're going to be covering it. It's not going to be the last time you hear our conversation about it. Hoping to hear more on Dave Aranda. We'll, we'll have to bring out 
one of the uh, considering the coaching candidates. I'll have to get one of those written up here, maybe even this week on Dave Aranda. Uh, we had four of those last week. Dave Doran and Matt Campbell, Lance Leipold, and Bill O'Brien were all covered. And, you know, look, there's plenty of time in this coaching search. We're going to have an opportunity to talk about all of these guys if we want to. We're going to have an opportunity to talk about everybody because that's what happens when you have a job open in September. And Nebraska's not the only one now. Georgia Tech has joined them. Jeff Collins gone from Georgia Tech. Arizona State had already moved on from Herm Edwards. A lot of rumors swirling about Brian Harrison at Auburn. You know, we'll see how that one plays out, but certainly feels like Auburn's going to be looking for a coach. And then after that, I mean, you, you're really going to sort of be in this, you know, wait and see mode and have some of these teams sort of play out the rest of their season. If programs feel like they need to make a move, if coaches start getting poached, then does, you know, a coach moving from a sitting power five school, does another coach grab another power five coach? I mean, that's kind of how some of these work. That's how a place like Notre Dame opened up. That's how Oklahoma opened up. And, you know, both were filled by defensive coordinators or the, the little job search could have continued there as well. And again, here at Husker 24 seven, we're going to have all of that coverage. So to reflect, uh, unfortunately, a technical issue uh, ended our podcast with, with myself and Brian Christofferson a little bit early, but finishing things out here. And I will implore you, as I do every single time, be sure to check out Husker247.com. Plenty of coverage going up. Nebraska plays Indiana. Going to have a Husker Hypecast. Former Husker Todd Peterson will be joining us as a Hypecast guest. He's done this before. He is a listener. We've even tipped back a few uh, cups of Old Style and Malort in the uh, the Great Billy Goat Tavern in Chicago with Todd Peterson once upon a time. Maybe we'll get into some of those stories at the Husker Hypecast as well. Who knows? That might be more interesting than Nebraska-Indiana, which is on Saturday, and we will have plenty of coverage as that as well. So be sure to check out more podcasts as they come through this week on Husker 24-7. Be sure to check out all the coverage we have going. Going to be an official visit weekend. Uh, Nebraska will have Arnold Barnes III in a two-lane commit from New Orleans. He's certainly someone to keep an eye on. We'll have more on him as well throughout the week. Be sure to enjoy the coverage and check back for more Husker 24-7 content.